episode 69 of Rank and Review. In this episode, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons with his guest Dorian Brady is going to discuss six films which have horror and comedy together. The yin and yang of entertainment. As usual, when listening to this podcast, you should expect that you may hear some strong language and that you may hear some spoilers for the films discussed. Also, just in the interest of full disclosure, there may have been some alcohol consumed during the recording of this episode, so heads up everyone, <laughs> so be it. I had a lot of fun with this one, and I hope you guys do too. Please send me feedback at rankinreview at gmail.com, that's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Please seek out the show on Facebook and on iTunes. And if you could do me a favor and just tell that other movie freak in your life about the podcast, you'd be doing me a solid. Alright, no more of this ado. It's time to get going with episode 69 of Rank and Review. So we're about to uh, record episode 69! 69! Whoa, three aces! And I'm here again with my dear, dear friend, Dorian. Um, Yeah! Last time that we spoke, at least in the context of the podcast, we were talking about creature features. Hells yeah. And we have more creature features to talk about this episode, but the theme now is horror comedy. This is the second episode dedicated strictly to horror comedy. The first time was, I believe, episode five. Wow. So it's been a while. It's been a while with Kevin Stiller, that's right. So um, why horror comedy? What drove you to this list? Was there a title that jumped out or was (coughs) Uh, no, I said, hey, horror, what do you want me to watch? And you were like, well, horror. And that's <laughs> basically how all of our conversations in front of your children begin. Indeed. Um, I, I basically, I said that some of the thriller stuff that, like, you had me watch was pretty intense. And, um, like, well, really good. I just wanted to change. Then you gave me episode two of Star Wars, which was a little too much on the other, other spectrum. Side of the spectrum. Yeah, a little right. too, uh... Way to throw me on that grenade, by the way. That was, um... Yeah, I guess you did get the short stick on that one. Most of my, I think, conversation was, but it could have been so good. Look at it from that side. Like, I sounded like a mom at a pageant. Yeah, I could hear you... Doing so good. Doing so good. I could hear you wanting the movie Uh, to be better than it was. And no, being a fan of the extended universe and stuff, like, I'm like, if you just, if you just scooch and you just look at it from the... Yeah, it's it sucked. It was balls deep. Bad. Um, but I, this, I, I was really happy for the uh, horror comedy. 
which was lightly dabbled on some of the movies you assigned. <laughs> Just a very broad stroke. Right. Well, to reference penises. Um, I suspected that it might be what we do in the shadows with the inclusion of two-thirds of Flight of the Concords. Oh, uh, mockumentary. Yeah, yeah, being included that might be the thing that made you choose it, but... Uh, just generally speaking, I do love Jermaine. I'm I'm gonna marry him one day. Fuck his wife. Oh, but, um, I'm I'm a big Jermaine fan. Don't get me wrong. Hell's yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I met him? You met Jermaine. Oh, I yeah. could have met both of them, but I I met both of them. I missed the boat. Do you not know this story? I did not know this story. Uh, I used to work at the Fringe Festival on and off since I was 15 years old, which is, you know, I'm just 21. Um, but yeah, when I met my friend Jackie, she used to be a tech with a group called Screwed and Clued, and they did amazing shows throughout, and they had a couple of friends with them. And we were just hanging out one night at the hose doing a trivia night. And I was just like, Jackie, that dude with the sideburns and the glasses, he's pretty fucking hot. But, like, I would never made any moves back then. I had no moves. And then years later, I'm watching Flight of the Concords, and I mentioned to Jackie. I was just like, so I finally watched Flight of the Concords, and that dude with the glasses and the sideburns? And she was like, well, you said that when you met him. Yeah. And I was like, what? Oh, so you met him and you didn't know that I, you met They him. weren't famous yet. Well, that's they my didn't story, have too. An I was at the Winnipeg at the Fringe. Fringe. Yeah. I was at the Winnipeg Fringe and with, with a really awful show. But uh, I was all starstruck and hanging out with three dead trolls in a baggie. Oh, yes. Right? At the time, they yeah. were the, big, the hot shit in the, there. But, they uh, were some warm Fight of the Concords were doing a fucking Fringe show. You could have seen Fight of the Concords with an audience of, like, 40 people. And that was it. They didn't get a show here in Saskatoon, so they were just traveling with Screwed and Clued. Right. So they were just like, I was like, hangers on, tech guys, what, groupies? Like, I had no clue. But, yeah, uh, they fun were... Fun fact. Fun fact. Well, I mean, that sucks. <laughs> that, it, it sucks that I could I could be sitting here saying, I saw them <laughs> before they were cool, but I could have seen them, but I was too starstruck. I legit hung out with them and drank with them, and I did not know, and it wasn't until, like, 10 years later or something apologies for the swears children listening um yeah it was just jackie being like well at least your tastes haven't changed i was like what do you mean she's like that is legit the guy that you had a crush on that night and i was like oh my god well you know yay for consistency yeah. <laughs> Woo! but yeah he's all married and shit now and brett and won an oscar so you yeah. know good for him sorry brit brit Oscar. Good for him. Uh, it has been said in the past, and I don't think we're breaking anything new here, that like horror and comedy are kind of the chocolate and peanut butter of cinema. They do kind of complement each other. Shit, you of... should put that in a bar. Like <laughs> some sort of candy bar. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I would trademark that shit. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people say uh, comedy and tragedy, but I say comedy and horror. Maybe maybe it's the same thing. I gotta say, though, to have the timing for either, you need to be very intelligent to pull it off. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, they're very interlaced. With the movies that we're going to talk about this episode, it's kind of interesting because they, they approach their subjects from different angles and different levels of seriousness. But, and repeatedly from behind. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a, a weird kind of connection between a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Two of them are like sort of balls out, sell you on our title, you know, Zombievers and Wolf Cop, all right? You kind of know what you're you're stepping into just by the title, right? Yeah, well, they have to have those high cheese moments where it's like, it's a zombiever! Yeah. And no. motherfucking Wolf Cop, which but, he literally says in the movie. Like, yeah, but with the title of the movie, you're either going to see it and be into it or, or not, basically. Like, they... they, they 
are what they say they it's are. It's a bumper sticker movie, right? Yeah, exactly. It's sold on its premise. It's made on the basis of the poster and how mm-hmm. many units it can sell before it's even finished production. I say this with all due respect. Then we have these two Kiwi comedies, Housebound. Nicely done, yeah. And uh, the what we're talking about, what we do in the shadows, the mm-hmm. mockumentary about uh, vampires. With my future husband, Jimmy. Yeah, and uh, this sort of has the very distinctly sort of Kiwi humor to it, but very legitimately approaching horror. Both you, the genres are, are respectful of, of horror. You say distinctly Kiwi, but it's also the Canadian sense of humor, which is why I think the Wolf Cop wraps up nicely in that as well. Right. It's been stipulated by Stephen Fry, who is a god of a man, that American humor is so blatant and out there and obvious and stuff, like it just rapes that line. Yeah. But Canadian humor and Kiwi or even some Australian humor has like that British sort of vibe to it where it's deadpan enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's a joke that you're not quite willing to expect. Um, it's not so out there, basically. Um, yeah, what I've which... often said about Canadian films is that it feels like they're just a step or two weirder. There's just that oh, yeah. one or two scenes in the movie where you're like, why is that there? I'm glad it's there, but I'm not sure why it's yeah. there. Well, and then once you watch them once or twice, <laughs> you sort of see why. Like, it's either a build-up or just it's a distraction. Um, but it's done really well. And it goes back to that timing of the horror and comedy that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, where sometimes you wonder why is this scene even in here and then you watch it like two or three times and you're like oh I get it like it does it takes a little moment to land it's not so in your face and I really appreciate that or even it gives you a little break from the scene that just happened and gets you that terror level up for the next one if nothing happened for that 10 to 15 or minute you know like seconds whatever sorry time (laughs) not a time lord here but um yeah, it just sort of, like, gears you up a bit more. It's one of the reasons I enjoyed the thrillers, was that it, what was it, the thing? It took almost an hour until you actually saw what happened. On screen, where you On saw screen, this creature, On screen, yeah, it was sure. this delicious build-up, and then I think with horror comedy, the reason it works so well is because you don't want to spend all your time laughing or gasping. You do need a bit of a respite, yeah. and, and I think those films did it really well. And the comedy there is a really good way to take you off your guard. Oh, so, for sure. So you can get set up for another knockdown. It's so close, close to the scare, though, yeah. you know? Like, it's just so, um, I mean, like, it's, it's getting the same sort of immediate shock value. Yeah. And you either go fight or flight, you know? You either laugh or, you know, you stab something and you know a horror movie is working or you know a, a comedy is working in a different way because you get a physical reaction a oh, comedy sure. will make you laugh mm-hmm. and a horror movie will make your body tense up and oh, make God, you, yeah. you know sort of shake and nervous and whatnot the last two movies <coughs> i want to say sort of just to connect the like how they they we got groups of twos here is we have sort of the horror movie as social satire mm-hmm. with cheap thrills and god bless america yeah yeah where it's still funny, but they're trying to say something through the lens of the story. Sometimes a little heavy-handed. Yeah. So we can go completely wacky and crazy like Zombievers, and we can get a little bit more cerebral. And, you and didn't see the Shakespearean feeling. influences of Zombievers? That's fine. <laughs> no, I That's didn't. That's fine. Uh, I was trying to figure out while watching it who the Christ figure was, but uh, I got distracted yeah. by the 
the beaver effect. Well, just the fact that they continuously referenced wood, you didn't get no. the Jesus sort right. of influence. Right. It is Easter, by the way, people. It's yeah. Easter weekend, so... Well, it is something... I don't think you can really get all of the nuances of zombievers in one pass. It's something you're going to no. have to come back to. That's why I have to borrow it again. I have to view it with people and yeah. dissect it. I may never see the movie again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone to you. It's dead to you. Just let it go. Or will it come back again? That's right, Song Beaver's reference. Yes, bring it on. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to say by way of introduction before we start talking about these horror comedies, Dorian? Oh my goodness, just the fact that it really takes some amazing comic timing and horror timing to pull something off, and this was a really good selection. Yeah. I mean, out of the six, um, I gotta say, it was hard to dislike any of them, it's but goddamn, do I eventually dislike them. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're not going to have any scraps like we did last time. Oh, we're going to battle down, man. Hunker down. It's yeah. one of those lists where I did not want to put anything in last place. In a lot Oh, of I ways. had one off the bat, actually, but yeah. it was tough to find first. Yeah. It was tough to find first. Well, we shall discuss. All right, let's do it. Your client has been through a number of these treatment programs in the past, and the results have been less than spectacular. Miss <laughs> Bracknell is in need of stability. I'm therefore ordering an urgent report into the suitability of a mother's house for a sentence of eight months' home detention. Gosh, that's high tech, isn't it? Aren't you lucky, Kylie, having all that fancy technology on your foot? Nice being back home. Some things have happened since I've been here. Things I can't explain. Let's start with one of the Kiwi features. Uh, you, just before you came here to have this conversation with me, finished a screening of Housebound. Hells yeah. Was that your first screening, or was that round two for you, though? No, that was the first time I ever saw it. Okay, so, uh... Other than having a crush on the lead chick. Yeah, um, totally, right? Right? Uh, Morgana O'Reilly. Oh my god. Please give this lady more work. Fucking tiny tap dance scene? What the hell was that about? Other than getting me wet. (laughs) Like, that was just really cool. Uh, After a a hilariously inept attempt to break into an ATM, she and her boyfriend... No, I'm sorry. He was inept. She seemed to have her shit together. She had her poop in a group. He was making puppies. Like, he was just... He was fucking it up left and right. Obviously, she has terrible taste in men. But in order to save herself being actually thrown into proper jail, she is forced back to her, her... Once again. Childhood home. The lawyer said that, or no, the, the judge said that she had many tries, many types of institutions, right? So that's why they were like, we're sending what you back else to your can mom. we do? Before yeah. jail, final chance, final chance. I think that the strength of this movie is just how charming and indeed lovable it, these characters become over time. Uh, I was definitely charmed by her parents, or her mom and her stepdad. And uh, really? I, was, I was warmed over to her. At first I thought she was so standoffish and so cold that I was like, how am I supposed to like this woman? How am I supposed to get on her side? Hmm. But as we slowly get in, wrapped in this initially that seems like a supernatural tale, um, I found myself utterly charmed by these uh, this sort of New Zealand family. And uh, uh, I took a little different take on it and the fact that they, they basically said, go back here, you need stability. But that was the family that created her, the drug addict, like, you know, addicted alcoholic that spun off into crazy town. So to, to draw her back to that, you know, was just almost like not intuitive. It was anti-intuitive. 
Um, and then once you meet the mom, she's grading, and then the stepdad who says shit all, and I was just like, well, yeah, she was ignored and then smothered. So I could totally see why she didn't want to be there. So for me, it was a very believable torture for her to go back home, right? It was so, a punishment. Yeah, it worked in a different way than I think sort of how you saw it. You saw it as a bit endearing, and yeah, I could, this is why she's really cool. I liked her because she was just like, she wanted to get the fuck out of there. But I was sort of, I was sucker punched by the Ashuk sort of bonding. By the end of this movie, by the end of this crazy adventure that she is subjected to, she is way closer to her mother than she is at the beginning of the movie. Well, because we and, all learn more. We all saw where it was coming from, right? Yeah. I mean, like, once you start out, it's set up this way, and then by the end of it, you're just... So much was revealed in this crazy story that I think we don't see in a lot of other types of movies. Again, you say, like, a Kiwi style. It's just very... Um, it was laid out beautifully, even in the quiet scenes, which you can't say they're quiet scenes when her mom is talking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought it was really nice, like, how it did play out, where you sort of see why he's so quiet and why the mom talks so much, right? I mean, that wasn't explained to you off the bat. You see it over yeah. two hours. Uh, and just, well, she's ice cold to her mother. All her mom wants to do is watch Coronation Street. And, you know, she's, she's not going to give a budge an inch, you know? <laughs> And uh, that I just wasn't expecting to be hit by that warmth. The, the movie didn't advertise itself to be a warm piece. And uh, it, it, it ended up actually being very... Very charming. sentimental by yeah. the end. I was really impressed by that. I didn't expect it either. Yeah. Um, and then it made me feel some feelings, which I'm not comfortable with. It's upon reflection that things get a little stranger for me in this movie. Now, I, for I, you. I... Really. I, I I give a spoiler warning at the top of the show so we can talk about whatever we want. Uh, I I've been here before. Yeah. It's fine. It's I right. encourage anybody who's listening to this to please watch the movie before you, you listen to this because I do think having this spoiled will hurt you. Uh, it turns out through the story that we find out there's another occupant living in the house with them in secret. Very people under the stairs, I thought. Yeah. This guy's been living beyond, in between the walls. And... They come to find this out and accept this through the story, mm -hmm. but at the end, you've, it's kind you've of, never found somebody you just no, in your no. Life? And I actually think that that concept and idea is as terrifying as anything that we're going to encounter in these six movies. That you could be sharing a house with someone your entire fucking life. Did you not see not that Chinese it. or Asian video, whatever, yeah. about how the guy's like food was disappearing? And he come left home a camera in his house, and, and a, a fucking old lady. chick crawls out of like the goddamn cupboards and stuff. So I'm sorry, that's why it was terrifying to me. Yeah. Which is well, sort of like, shit, I'm... I've seen this online. Exactly. Like, which but is always true. Everything online is always true. That is arguably more terrifying than that there had been a ghost there. And the fact that the family not only doesn't seem terrified by that, but in a way Embrace kind of, it. like, accept him as a part of the house. Well, because he's been there so long, and he was never really the ominous feature. Like, he, he was there for their most important family moments. I suppose if he was going to rape or kill them, he would have done it by now, but it's still... That's a great take to Yeah, take exactly. Just, you know, he could have. Yeah. He didn't. Good but for him. Even in his scrapbook, like, the drawing, <coughs> he's got a drawing of her sitting, uh, like in the bathroom having a little cry to herself like he obviously it wasn't sexually on, done it was not necessarily but the fact that you were never alone in that house mm -hmm. like ugh, i thought that was like a genuinely creepy thing and it was weird that that it went unresolved 
Well, I all of their private moments later. were captured, but like it for me, I didn't see it as a sexual thing. I think that he was just so disenfranchised from the human experience, and he hadn't like he had lived in that guy's house for ten years. Yeah, again, just underneath the house, right? And so he moves into another house. He has more places to move around. He got to see the breakdown of a family, which he didn't know how to stop. He didn't know how to stop a murder. You know, like he was just so um, distanced. But he bonded with that family. He didn't go back to the neighbor's house. He stayed with his family and he watched their most intense moments. And he knew that they were important. Her leaving, I think, was really horrible for him too. It was devastating to everyone. Absolutely. And so I think that that's sort of what connected them at the end. Where he just basically became like a brother. You know? Like, it was just... it was, And that was a sentimentality that I didn't expect to see in this movie. Especially, like you said, it started off... As a supernatural thing. Yeah. I seriously, a good hour, hour and change into the movie was like, there's a fucking ghost. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, that's really well done in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they hear sounds and they see things that, like, are unmistakable. There has to be a ghost in the house. But and no. logically explained, even yeah. when they have that guy show up and he's just like, it's obviously ghosts. Let's yeah. get our EMS out. Let's get our, let's do this stuff. You a know? great inversion, though. You expect the cop to be this huge skeptic rolling his eyes, and he is all Beautifully in done. Super, super oh, natural. my God. <laughs> I, and you know what? What I love is that he came off, number one, like, I'm a believer. And yeah. then they come back to him, and he's just sort of like, but I want some proof. Yeah. And they're like, I I thought you were, no, wait, I thought you were, and he was just but sort of like. But that's a believer I can respect. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Like, it's not, the story itself is not enough to make him believe. It makes no. him curious enough to it investigate. It made him curious. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really appreciated that because that, um, even though he was, like, just a supporting character, entirely fleshed out. Yeah. And that's what I felt like about most of these characters in this movie. It was very fleshed out. You got to see their depth once the movie started going. I mean, like, even characters that just seemed, like, very, like, novelty, they have to be there because of... A to get to B to get to C, right? And then you find out that they're pivotal. You know, like that was, that's a good story. It's a rich story. I want to talk about a scene. We were talking in the introduction about how certain movies have scenes in them that just like you wonder why they're there, but you're kind of glad they're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about time that you, Dorian, and I talk about women peeing. But <laughs> oh my a god! Scene where this... I wrote notes about this. Okay, <laughs> she's in the bathroom. She's sitting on the toilet. She's having a pee, and she hears something. And the audio, like she stops peeing, and she sits there and she listens, and then nothing happens, and she continues her pee. Now here's here's my notes. I literally had to had to write. Number one, stellar open, very badass chick. Like the whole scene with the ATM and whatever. Yeah. But then my very next note is. Peen scene, uh, pee scene gold. Right? Pee scene gold. <laughs> and not like golden shower joke. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was awesome. It was just... It's not gross. It's not like, it's not a scene that feels like needless or, or, or crass or anything like that. No. It's a very human moment. Everybody goes to the bathroom and everybody hears... I have paused song. in my peeing. <laughs> yes. I have to say, like, I felt like it was me there. I have never ever in my life seen that in a movie and I just I have to give them real props for going there like uh you know tiny self high five during that moment because I was like I it was one of those things where it was just so candid yeah you know like it must have been uh the writer or whoever thinking one time that they were in a bathroom by themselves going like 
what can't I hear because I'm pissing? I'm scared, or something's happening, or is that is that the house settling? Or just... And it's a thing, like, if you had, I don't know, fucking Catherine Heigl or something as your star, she would just outright refuse to do, right? Now I'm not fucking doing a peeing scene. <laughs> like, it, oh, no, I don't she's know. done some shit. There's, <laughs> there's something very human about it, and there's something very honest about it. Very few movies do peeing scene, pee <laughs> scenes. Um, Michael Fassbender did a scene where he actually is legitimately him peeing. Right. Maybe I just threw and it was Fassbender. But it was this one scene where they, in the, like their trivia or something, they say that he was that was actually him peeing. Because apparently that's a question that people have. And they're like, that is amazing acting that on the spot they can just go. And I'm like, well, you know, camera's rolling. And it's, While we're uh... talking about urination, just for some urination trivia, if you'd ever be interested in seeing Huey Lewis peeing full frontal in a film, watch a little movie called Shortcuts. Anyway, back to Never asked gone. for that, <laughs> but, but thank there. you. It's there. You can borrow it if it's you want. It's not my birthday yet, but I appreciate that gift. I own that movie, not just because of Huey Lewis's dick, but I should steer the boat back to Housebound. Um, <laughs> I if really... you can make a tugboat reference in Huey Lewis's dick, I'm all for it right now. Just I'm opening the floor to you. I really, really, really like housebound and i was surprised how much i liked housebound i thought it would be because of the supernatural angle which i really enjoy um i used to study ghosts and paranormal shit all the time when i was a kid because i'm just like i believe in physics i want to know more about that stuff this is one of those types of movies where i was just sort of like enjoy it it's a romp ghosts exist and like you know it's the whole the mom is apparently kind of crazy and maybe thinks stuff and you know prob probably the daughter um and then, yeah, it just it became this very rich tapestry of what the hell went on. And it was a smart character learning things, you know what I mean? Like it, Generally speaking, it was smarter, scarier, funnier, and deeper than you ever would have thought Absolutely. It would be. Like, they actually, she did some, like, detective work. Like, even though that guy, that the security guard, was like, don't do that. She's like, I'm doing that. Yeah. And then it, it actually resulted in results. Like, she was actually like, here's some details. I found out this. I found out that. And uh, I don't think they would have solved the mystery had it not been for that proactiveness that you, again, it was such a strong female lead as well, I think, that I love so much about it. And they show that in the very first scene. You know, she she took charge. She wanted to know what the hell was going on. Or when she's cracking open the ATM, I want shit done. Yeah. And, and they carry that sort of personality trait throughout the entire movie. She also does, there's an accident that happens, spoiler, in the scene. Where she inadvertently stabs an innocent party. And I think that also reinvests her in, you know, solving mm. this problem. <laughs> because uh, she gets to the bad point. as things were between her and her mom, uh, mm -hmm. you know, she exacerbates things. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, but like if you're in that sort of terror, again, you go back to the fight or flight, right? She's going to react and she's, she's an actor. Like she just responds. It's like... Um, you know, Ripley doing nothing or doing something. Yeah. Like, she had that vibe of a strong female character that's, I'm going to fucking do shit. I'm going to get it done. Doesn't matter how. Yeah. It's why she knocks down walls. She literally knocked down walls to find out what the hell went on. Yeah. And I... I when that inevitable scene happens impressive. where someone's like, well, where's this passage? Where did you see this person? And it's not there. She won't just tolerate them not seeing the passage you yeah know? she didn't crumble she didn't fall back and she didn't say like it probably was all in my mind <laughs> no i am not crazy you're crazy right? yeah. she she already challenges them how is that more ridiculous than what i'm saying yeah you know like when somebody comes up with some other reason she's like 
How? How is that crazier? And I like that. I think that that was like as a boss move on her part or the writer's part. Quite honestly, I'd like to see more of the stuff that they do. Well, uh, this is a fairly auspicious debut from everyone involved, from the cast to the crew. Yeah. I don't know what they've done before, but I hope they're doing more because. Oh, uh, I'd love to look at it. Yeah. Big fan. Anything else you want to say about Housebound? Um, two love tits that up. Pee scene. Yeah, two tits up. Loved it. <laughs> we spent so much time talking about pee. You girls from out of town? We're staying over there in my cousin's place. We were looking for beavers. Well, hell, ain't we all? Well, I've had enough excitement for one day. What was that? Someone in there? There's a beaver in the bathroom! Kill it! Yuck. Can we please go swimming now? Ever occurred to any of you that there might be more beavers? The fuck? Is that blood? Holy shit! Never seen a real beaver before, close. Well, maybe you should try going down on me once in a while, but we cannot turn against each other right now. That is exactly what the beavers would want. So let's talk about some zombie beavers. I talk about movies that sort of are sold on their premise. When I heard of the concept of a movie called Zombievers... You I didn't hear like, a concept, you heard the word. Zombievers, sold. I mm. remember similarly when I heard about another Kiwi uh, movie called Black Sheep, about zombie sheep. When I heard the premise, I was like, yep, I'll be watching that. Mm. And I do recommend Black Sheep. <laughs> but it's one of these things that you're flipping, you're kind of flipping a coin when you watch it because... Yeah, they're going to deliver the premise, but is that going to be enough to sustain a movie? And in Usually this... not. I'm, I'm even referencing later Romero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they know exactly what they are. They know that they're about crazy puppet zombies. They know they're about... Exploit... They were puppets? Yeah. <laughs> Exploitating, uh, you know, young actors and a lot of titty and uh, a lot of, you know... Not a lot of titty. <laughs> a lot of skin, not a lot of titty. I a lot just of sexuality, say... in, anyway. Um, and at a very lean one hour and 17 minutes... True. It really makes a point of not overstaying its welcome. They squeezed every minute for what it was worth, I thought. I have a hard time saying, Zombievers is an amazing movie. You should totally check it out. But Zombievers is definitely Zombievers, and it delivers on the promise it of its title. So, if you're interested to see Zombievers, here it is for you. Do it with know, your friends. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Also, how, maybe watch this movie. Yeah, I don't know how to review it beyond really saying that it's kind of a tough cookie to grab for me because like. Okay, I just got to state it this way because, like I said, sometimes I'm a nerd and I write notes, and it's because. I had to grab a pen and paper for just the introduction. I rewound it and watched it three times. Because <laughs> of how funny Before the rest of the movie even started. Like, I had to take a breath. No, no, no. Go back to my kitchen, get a beer, come back, drink the beer watching it. Because the transport dudes were fucking hilarious. Like, I'm sorry, it must have been mostly Rift or something because the delivery is so casual that it made me think that they were just saying shit to, like, make each other laugh. You know, like, if Bill you're Burr on... plays the motor mouth of the two, the guy who does yeah. the bulk of the talking. He's a brilliant stand-up comedian. Uh, and... I didn't recognize him because, yeah. like, it was just such a lackadaisical setup. And, like, the guy with the cheesy mustache and stuff. But it was just... 
it was so beautiful that it's like what you expect from a B movie. Yeah. But with A movie delivery. <laughs> like it just, it absolutely set the bar. And I was like, if this is just the intro to show how the like medical waste or whatever gets into the water, what am I set up for, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this must have been a fluke. So I had to rewind it, which <laughs> kids these days don't understand. I had to go backwards in the film <laughs> and watch it again. And I was just sort of like, it was, it was beautiful. And then even the outtakes at the end of the movie, like it's just them trying to not crack up, right? And it was beautiful. Like just, I, you, I, you dated a guy? To, to tell me all about it. <laughs> like, it was just, and I was like, if this is the level of just subtle genius humor... What's the rest going to be like? So it really did set the bar high for me at that point. Zombievers, bar set high. Like, well, that was very... It was a dichotomy of expectation. I, I, I am uncomfortable disagreeing entirely with what you say here, but I don't think the word subtle or genius would ever trip out of my mouth with reference to zombievers. And here's the thing. Like, I watch a lot of stand-up. I enjoy a lot of comedy and stuff like that. And just the fact that it was so casually delivered. Nowadays, everything that's given as a joke is a pause and a soundtrack. You can almost hear them going, ah? I know, and it, ah. it really sickens me, but they don't, they don't waste a beat, right? And just the fact that it's such a cheesy movie and you know the setup is they're going to drop waste somewhere. It's going to get in. It's going to affect the beavers. But it was just like, eh. These two We had a day to film this. Let's just have fun, you know? Like, it was was nice. These two idiots are responsible for all the violence in the film due to their just... Idiot savant. Just numb indifference to the world around them. And by the time you've forgotten about them, they come back into the movie. It was again. beautifully capped. Like, it was a full circle, right? That's yeah. how it felt to me. And I, I don't think that a lot of, like, shitty-ass, you know, cheesy B-movies and stuff think about that. Um, but they did. And it was. I thought it was really nicely done. And like you said, um, it was a cameo, essentially, yeah. by this guy that unless you know who the fuck he is, you're just like, oh what <laughs> you know like which was me i didn't know i had to look them up after that's how impressive they were yeah but we're totally totally over the moon for the first 10 minutes oh for sure members. for sure the rest of it shit and then the end <laughs> scene where we can just buy this is entirely zombievers you can just ignore the hour in between no, just kidding um again the group of teenagers are loud Were they teenagers? Or 20-somethings, whatever they are. Acknowledge they're 20-somethings. They're they're loud, highly sexual, and to me, largely indistinguishable. (laughs) Really? They didn't overreach a little bit with, I'm the sensitive chick, I'm the nerdy one with glasses, I'm the huge bitch, where that, I'm sorry, the neighbor, when she calls her out on it, that was also some nice writing. Yeah. Where the one chick is trying to be so shocking, and like, oh yeah, and then the woman's just like, it's all right. My daughter's also a bitch whore or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. like, that was kind of nice. Apparently was... a lot of ladies are like this nowadays. Hell oh, yes. Yeah. My daughter, not even that attractive. You know, like... The polite disdain uh, of the locals. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I don't know. I thought that was actually pretty funny. They're, they're probably used to it. Again, it was like a little bit of character detail that I thought was, you know, an added. There's even the red herring guy who shows up and tells these kids that, you know, they shouldn't be messing Smith with Smith with a Y. Get yeah. dressed, you bitches. Yeah. And, you know, they successfully kept on elevating the stakes. I mean... There was a, a bear out of nowhere, by the a way. A zombie shows up. Another... Like, first a bear, then a zombie, which, by the way, have you seen Z Nation? Because zombie. Oh, is there a zombie in Z Nation? There's a zombie. Nice. Uh, 
Well, and even in this case, it was a zombie beaver because if you're bitten by a zombie, you become beaver, a beaver. You become a beaver zombie. So, which I did not expect. I actually, when the first time that happens, I thought it was a dream sequence to the point where I had a level of disdain, where I was like, "Really, really, zombie beavers?" Because like I had high standards for zombie beavers, and I was like, "A dream sequence," and then it was all real, and yeah. it was all crazy as shit. It was. There's yeah. a strange zombie movie, uh, although less goofy than this, called uh, Mulberry Street, where there's a zombie virus that, that, that starts with rats, so you you behave, you, you start this weird rat affectation, and your teeth get all fucked up, and you turn all ratty. Sort of reminded Mulberry me of that. Mulberry means Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a good time, but it's a fairly slight meal. Like, uh, again, it's one of the... There's not much to go off of, but I thought that they made it a hearty meal out of it. You know what I mean? I mean, even just the cheesy jokes where, like, they're barricading the whole place, and they're just like, ah, ah, and then the guy just sort of, like, you realize they're, like, made to eat through wood. Yeah, exactly. Or the chick does, yeah. or whatever. Like, and it was like, huh, we haven't thought this through. There's an interesting reaction I had the first time we saw a, a full-on zombiever on screen. When the Again, girl, almost an hour in. Uh, it was very reminiscent of the thing. The girl goes to take a shower and she pulls a curtain and there it is in the bathtub. They're screaming at her. Mm-hmm. It's funny because it's not a particularly realistic looking puppet at all. I mean, it's very cartoonized and it's sort of a uh, strange, vicious, like, perma face that it has. But there's something so lovely about it, too. It acts better than a current John Travolta. I just gotta say, it needs some props. <laughs> and it wasn't fucking Sharknado. We didn't get computer zombies. Yeah, no, I like the fact that it was actual puppets. It was, like, the animatronics, and as cheesy it was, and, like, the little hand that was, like, meh, slapping the side of the tub, which yeah. I was laughing at, by the way, because I pay attention to that shit. But just even, like, she has to react to this thing, you know, like, and it's coming after her. And then there's the whole cheese of like, again, she's screaming about something. Everybody's like, you're obviously insane. Yeah. Has she ever done that in the past? <laughs> has she ever freaked out? Like, I understand if it was me because you guys probably think I'm like a weirdo and I'd be like, it was a tiger. And you guys are like, oh, you're down. seeing zombievers again. Oh, <laughs> but like, she, obviously she's never had a history of that. They're, they were so fucking condescending, which was delightful because it wasn't in the shower. It just burst out of somewhere. <laughs> You know? And I was sort of like, I thought that they would take it down a notch where they would all go to the living room and they're all fine and more noise or something. But no, they went with it because you're right. An hour, 17 minutes. They were doing it for all they had. And yeah, it just, it was, uh, I liked that they just sort of stuck with the gore level. You know what I mean? Like they kept it up. It, the animals, as absurd as they were, like they had some forgive the term, they had some teeth. The, when the guy's swimming in the water and he gets bit, it's not like he's just going to chomp out of him. His fucking foot's off his leg. Well, not only that, but usually I think that movies, just to draw it out, would be like, he was faking. That was what I was expecting. He yeah. was faking. I didn't expect like a supposedly main character to go down so quickly. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And... By the way, he could run really well for a guy, for a guy who had his foot. one foot. Yeah. But no, I was, uh, no, I like that they did that. I like that they had the cheese and I like that they acknowledged they had the cheese. Again, not a great 
script with dialogue or anything like that, but they kept the pace. They kept the pace nicely. And I appreciated that it was sort of winking directly at us, too. There's this sort of... They never went beyond fourth wall. Yeah, yeah there's this, this te- inclination to sort of comment on themselves while they're doing this, you know? And, uh, well, the I, one guy, are you really reading a book about beavers? And they're reading about it and became cheesy and about them because yeah. there was a love triangle. And I was just like, ah. And this is where Voorhees burst through the door. You know, like it was that level of, hmm, we are so spoofing all of these movies. Yeah. That's and, when the spoof became like very apparent to me. And the fact that they know that you're watching the movie as a lark, probably drunk off your ass just because it's on beavers. And that the creators knew it so much that by the end, when spoilers, our main character is smushed by the same two idiots in the same car driving down the highway, uh, we, we are Idiot like, savant. we are not devastated by her loss. We're not like, oh, oh no, what a tragic ending. It was, it, it just felt like the right <laughs> ending. It nice, felt like... Yeah. And credits. (laughs) Actually, which I have to say, like, you're saying just the same whatever, but um, the the fact that it was the whore that lived would really, like, resonate with me as a whore. No, okay, that came (laughs) out wrong. But just the fact that, like, the chick, like, you were saying that they were indistinguishable, but I thought that the tropes were, like, there. It was, like, you know, the dumb bitch that was like, oh, I'm so mean. The other chick, I was so heartbroken. Like, you know, the goody two-shoes. I mean, I could tell them from each other, but, I mean, as far as movies like this. Oh, in general, of course. They're rolled together. That's what it's supposed to be. But But typically, you're right. This character (coughs) would have been one of the first to die, right? Oh, absolutely. And the fact, as soon as she defenestrated herself, $10 word, um, (laughs) Um, I was really impressed by it. I was just like, wow, she has the balls out will to live. And actually, I think that that's when she changed to that sort of like lead girl character for me. When you find out that she survived, she was a survivor. And that's why at the end scene, I was like, yeah, they wrapped it up nicely. It was very, he hit the deer at the beginning and Mm -hmm. didn't fucking care. Hits her at the end of it. Still kind of didn't fucking (laughs) care. But I, I really, it made me think about it when she's walking down like the street by herself and she leave. by the way, she left the ax, which really pissed me off. <laughs> she was using it as a cane. But I was just sort of like, yeah, you know what? I want her to live. She had the drive to live. Don't be in the middle of the street. <laughs> Life lesson. Life lesson, kids. Yeah. Just because you've defeated the zombievers does not mean you can defeat heavy traffic. That's very true. Did you just kill Chloe? Awesome. And that was a fantastic start. Do you take requests? Who are you killing next? The Kardashians. People who use rock star as an adjective. People who give high fives. Anyone who wears crystals. You're friggin' Rambo, man. <laughs> what are you looking at, old man? I'm recording this. Thanks for not talking during the feature. Thanks for turning off your cell phone. You're welcome. Why have a civilization if we're no longer interested in being civilized? Hey, buddy. What's wrong? A lot. A lot of crazy people out there. (laughs) I only want to kill people who deserve to die. Frank. What? This is more fun than killing yourself, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. You know, being a lady. <laughs> Fucking 
tears me up inside. Oh, you and your lady parts. Right? Um, what does your lady parts think about Bobcat Goldthwait? You know what? Very surprisingly in love with his writing. Yeah. <laughs> My God. And as a Police Academy fan, I just said that. I just went there. <laughs> I kind of want that on my tombstone. One would never have guessed that someone who sort of made his fortune as that yowling, squealing stand-up... That's entirely an act, though, because he knows what people respond to, right? I mean, it's that entire... I can see why he was doing what he does now, because it's a reaction. He used to open for, like, rock shows uh, with his crazy stand-up routines and... As you know, memorable. He used to deal with a lot of shit, yeah. Memorable in the '80s for his participation, yes, in the Police Academy franchise. Well, that's what introduced me to him. But he sort of reinvented himself in you know later life as an indie film director. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually talked about his films in the past on on the show. We talked about. Uh, he's got Willow his family Creek. involved with it too. I mean, like he's done some actually really good shit, and he employs his family, so you yeah. know it's basically a public service. So you can expect something a little different from him. He makes comedies, but I find that they're comedies that hurt as much or more than they they kind of heal. They (laughs) They, twinge, yeah. They They twinge your soul. They have a little bit of ouch to them. And deliberately so. By a man named Bobcat? Really? You're surprised? I still think it's honest and fair to say that they're comedies, but they're... They're closer to a satire than to a sort of... Well, their wacky... awareness, it's absolutely spoof. Yeah. I don't know, you know, how many people were, were laughing, you know, in their popcorn watching World's Greatest Dad or, or whatever, eh. right? It's a tough sell. I think that this uh, God Bless America is a similarly tough sell in that we have uh, this man who's played by Bill Murray's brother <laughs> uh, who finds out on the day that he's been fired from a job that he hates that he has terminal cancer. And, uh... It's Joe versus the volcano all over again. It's Queen Latifah skiing down a mountain. He's been unhappy and bitching about it for so long that he's going to spend this last few days of his life, I guess, getting back at the world. Tearing it up. It's not even the world. He just, he got fed up and it's... If you watch the entire movie, it's mean people. Yeah. It's people he doesn't want to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, he gets just gets so fed up with it and it kind of is really, really sort of visualized. His hate is sort of focused on this show that's very much supposed to be American Idol. I can't remember what they call it in the... In the American in the, Superstars! American Superstars. But it's, yeah, very much that. Which uh, is... It, it's a little bit about the celebration of talent, but it's as much or more about the ridicule of people who don't have the talent and think that they do. Well, he even says outright that even the people that get successful, they're packaged. They're already prepackaged, right? So he's he's horrified at that that that's what people like enjoy that that's what people eat up right and if they aren't prepackaged and acceptable to children and soccer moms that what you do is you make fun of it you know like and I mean what are the he falls asleep watching the stuff which is actually kind of one of the things that sort of pissed me off about it's the movie poisoning him he hated it so much but he couldn't turn it off yeah. And that just, that's the only thing that sort of like threw me. I'm like, if you didn't like that, then why would you continue watching it? But the show, the movie basically makes it look like there's no escape from it, right? Well, he basically ends up going on a spree killing across America leading up to, you know, this live showing of this 
this TV the finale. show. Mm-hmm. And uh, within it, he gets tangled up in this relationship with a 16-year-old sociopath. <laughs> Um, and Possibly it's, psychopath, though. It's a weird one of these, you know, nurture. Uh, you know, old guy, young girl, not quite romance, platonic relationships. They even at, address that within it, which I thought was nice. I'm at the end of my life and have wisdom to share. You're at the beginning of your life and have wisdom to share. Blah 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 blah. Uh, it they don't they don't overweight the film with sort of a trying to make us figure that relationship out once she's sort of committed all in once she's committed her crime and once she's there mm-hmm. uh basically she's on board she was more committed than he was quite Absolutely. honestly in and a way she's she tips him over a hundred percent in that respect. she was ready for it he wasn't it was unexpected to him it was something she was waiting for and that's almost why i see her as the driving force And quite honestly, I really get behind her perspective. (laughs) The fact that he was just sort of like, oh, I have nothing to lose. And she's like, "Uh, everything's shit. What do you even think that you had something to begin with, right? Like, that was actually what I really liked about it. It taps into the rage that sort of speaks to the left-leaning politics, too. You get a lot of sort of rage against, you know... Militant, you know, military shooting spree who thinks that you know minorities are wrecking their life, or that poor people are lazy, or blah blah blah, or whatever. There was uh, a little bit of uh, idiocracy sort of vibe to it yeah. as well, which I sort of really appreciated. We see that anger manifesting on the right a lot, but we don't see it, at least to the same degree, on the left. And this movie is almost a fantasy sort of equivalency to that you're disagreeing your face made a disagreeing face a little bit to the point where they realize even if we're left leaning and even if things like that play out how's the right gonna spin it because exactly what happened in the film was i mean what the guy says when he's dying like the main asshole that they just basically want to kill because he's his politics and stuff like that are poisoning people he has his media and he's making all these people that don't research anything think a certain way because they heard a sound bite of it which is what the whole movie the first half of it is leading up to you don't think for yourselves you're doing nothing but spewing what the media is saying right and then basically they wind up killing this guy and he's like i will be a martyr yeah and they were like and eh, die 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 and i was making little gun fingers at this point here but then what happens is and i'm cutting you off nicely no. but was the fact that like he was right and it shows exactly how the media can spin things just by saying a few words because all people want to read are the headlines. And then it comes down to the fact that, like, um, they even comment in the movie, it's exactly what he said it would be. And every time they kill someone else, is it Obama's secret crew? Or, yeah. you know, like, it's just, it's entirely spun that way. So I think that it's not just perhaps perpetuating some sort of leftist view, but it's showing how the right would respond to it. Yeah. But I mean, it I think. It keeps both that... in mind. It's fair to say that I'm not saying there are no crazy uh, eccentric act outs on on the extreme left, but I am saying that there seems to be more on the right, and uh, the the film sort of is looking at that uh, you see, dun dun yeah. dun. But I mean, yeah, I can fantasize that it would be wonderful to blow up Fox Studios because I think they're a propaganda machine. But I'm not actually going to fucking do that, right? This <laughs> podcast brought to you by Fox Studios. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I, I I can have these thoughts. And the movie's interesting in that before it gets to the real violence, we see the innate violence in him. 
he fantasizes about blowing an infant away at the very beginning of the movie. And I honestly think that scene will lose people right away. There's a certain quadrant of the audience who would watch that movie, and as soon as that scene happened, would be Mm. like, fuck you, fuck this movie, fuck it all. Even though it's complete fantasy. It, it, the movie makes us believe briefly that he's shot a little you baby. You realize they spent a day or two filming that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And that would be a delicious scene to be on. Where it's like, uh, Jeff, you're on baby spatter. And he's yeah. just sort of like, all right. But that's where we're going. Like, right away in the movie, we see, well, we don't actually see, but by implication, we see a baby shot with a shotgun. Well, not only that, but the fact that, okay, I have to, I... A little bit on the defense of the guy shooting the baby. The mom is like, I got a baby! And tries to use it as a human fucking shield. Yeah. And then throws it in the air? Yeah. What the hell is that about? Like, he has already spent this time talking about how self-centered these people are. That she would throw her baby at a shotgun-wielding guy. Yeah. Rather than get shot herself, right? She has to deal with the repercussions. And he was just sort of like, well, I kind of came here to kill all y'alls. But that was like a horrifying flight of fancy at, at work when he fantasizes about killing all the guys at work. And then when we snap out of it, he's just sort of shooting the staples at him, right? <laughs> that was awesome. he's, he, he's got this violence in him, and we see that violence made real. Well, all I have to say about that, though, is the fact that we all have that sort of innate sort of nature that we're in a way prone to violence. Even the fact that you feel you have to cap it. Or you have to, like, let it go. Or you have to become one with it. Or, like, oh, I thought that, but how do I make it better? And stuff like that. Which is what we're taught a lot of. Um, But, you know, being primal creatures, like, we're number one on, like, you know, the entire food scale, whatever. Um, But when it comes down to it, he was just having a flight of fancy. And we all have things like that. over, though. And I think it makes us wonder, what is our level of getting pushed over? And that's what this film sort of taps on. He had to be pushed by something where he was going to die. He wanted to get one thing done and then just off himself. What I find more interesting is the young girl that was just sort of like, well, why don't you externalize it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like that was that was actually really interesting to see. Share That's yourself why th- with the world. Make your death mean something. Absolutely. And like even though she didn't think that after a while she thought, I think she, that she could distract him from killing himself, mm. not knowing exactly what was going on with him she had some ideas but she basically i think that was sort of her plan anyways do you know what i mean she just happened to luck upon this guy and what would she She was she was already headed in her own sort of Mm -hmm. direction where i was going with those flights of fancy which is interesting to me what the progression happens is that i found those fantasy bits almost more upsetting than the actual violence that we have later there's a scene later on in the movie where there's a bunch of people in a movie theater being super rude and obnoxious, and for their... We're for talking s- about you, listeners. Yeah, but but for the sin of not shutting up in a movie theater, they're killed. Mm-hmm. And we feel less about them being killed than we do about the imaginary deaths that we were subjected to at the beginning of the movie. Well, you do. And that's strange to me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, he is very interesting as a lead character because even in the movie theater scene he gives them some space yeah and then he's near another asshole and haven't we all done that where it's sort of like you know you just eh, back away just give it some time and stuff he had already stepped beyond the line right yeah 
but he didn't want to again. He moved. And they moved they, together. They and they were next to another one. And it was yeah. just sort of like, wow, done with this. Yeah. And then they kill some people and there's one chick left. And he was just sort of like, thank you for your courtesy. Yeah. You know, like, and it, it wasn't because of anything like, I don't have a political agenda. I don't have this. I'm just sick of everyone being assholes. And that was it for him. And then for her, she had more of like a timetable and a plan or not a timetable, but at least like more of a plan. Here's everyone we have to kill until whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for him, it was just, it, it was a tiredness that I think that we can all sort of understand. And even when you talk about the flights of fancy, haven't we all hit that tiredness with our neighbor, with our No, well, that's where I'm going. That's where I connect to because, yeah, there's a clearly, you know, marked line. This is where the line starts at Tim Hortons and some guy walks in and goes right to the till. And not only does he butt in front of me and everybody in line, but the person working the till serves him. And I have this little momentary spark in my head. You fucking assholes. I'm going to punch your face in. How would you mm. do that? There's a line up. There's rules. But... I'm not really going to go over and punch anyone's face in because I have to wait an extra two minutes for my coffee. But I have that moment in my head where I'm like, fuck you guys. It's a level fuck of you entitlement. Guys with fire. It's that level of entitlement because actually, just a while ago, I went to like, you know, Dollarama because I'm a baller. Yeah. Um, and I went into a lineup and there's supposed to be two lineups and this chick gave me shit for being in the wrong line. Yeah. And I just sort of looked over the cashiers like, don't you guys usually have two lines here? And she just sort of sided with this other chick, right? Yeah. If I had a gun, <laughs> I just would have hit her with it. I wouldn't have shot anyone. But it was just sort of like, seriously, like it's that level of entitlement and that bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, you're some suburban mom yeah. that had your own thing going on. So I think that it but tapped into that part of us. It taps into that hole. Something so small can trigger something... Absolutely. It's very brief. I didn't think I was entitled at all. I was just doing what I had seen before, yeah. right? This is what happens. There's two lines. You get called ahead. That's absolutely fine. And this woman just like, excuse me, and I, like because I'm making her nasal. But it was just sort of <laughs> like, you know, like there was a line behind me. And I was like, there's also a line right next to you, which is where I'm standing. Yeah, it's and a, stuff. It's and tough... I absolutely, I would have like, you know, cut a bitch. It's Do a... I have to cut a bitch? <laughs> it's tough. It's full of things like weird issues like that. Like, uh, it doesn't seem like that should be such a big issue, but it can become such a big issue. And, you uh... watch these movies and they're supposed to be the protagonist as well, right? So there's a reason that we're supposed to see ourselves in them. Yeah. And this movie does it to such a dangerous level where, like you were saying, yes, we have those fantasies, but it comes down to the point where um, if you're going to act on them, you're crazy. Yeah. And they do it and they just embrace it. And by the end of it with the shootout where they do the like the mental high five shit where they're just sort of like, we're going down for it. Yeah. None of us want to ever really do that, I think. And never do we want to have like that level of all or nothing, right? Because we have a future to think about. And they just do. And it's sort of like you live through them. All right, well, that, that's what would happen. <laughs> you know, like, and then they would die. And now I'm going to turn this movie off. It can be a frustrating world if you're a person that imagines yourself to be the one who's always following the rules. I Very kind true. of believe that everybody... And you get fucked by the rules, yeah. right? But everybody, you know, breaks the rules and everybody follows the rules to different degrees. I think that we're, we're really bad at calling ourselves on our own, uh, you know, rudeness. Uh, but the fact that the movie brings all of this discussion out of it, I think, speaks to its strength. 
I recently reviewed and quite negatively a movie called Natural Born Killers by Oliver Stone. And what this movie feels to me is like a more salient argument of, uh, of natural born killers. There's a couple of spree killers, but instead of just yelling at me and saying media bad, violence bad, I think it's a genuine discussion and it's a much more thoughtful movie for it. Now, how funny it is or how scary it is, I, I think is what will be the line. I think a lot of people who are sitting down to watch a spree killer movie are going to think that this movie is way slower than they anticipated. And it's much closer to Wes Anderson than it is to Oliver Stone. Well, you're saying that, like, you know, the whole, like, violence bad and whatever. And I have to disagree a little bit that I thought that some of his soliloquies and stuff were kind of shoving down your throat a point where you were. It was slow and that you were waiting for him to get to his point because you're like, I understand your point of view. Mm-hmm. I understand why you're whatever. And you're, you're telling it to a 16-year-old girl. You're just basically dragging out the dialogue to like validate your perspective i didn't always agree with him but i knew where he was coming from i didn't have that in natural born it was a little painful to me for me to listen to some of his soliloquies and stuff because i well then again you have to look at it as are you an intelligent person that have had some of these thoughts and you agree and then it's kind of being spelled out for you again um which again reminds me that like the whole the idiocracy sort of thing, right? Like it again, it was just a very blunt shoving it down your throat that you know like is what plants crave, you know? Like if you get some of that shit just told to you repeatedly, you're like, oh, it's just so stupid, I can't believe this is happening. But then you have this guy go off on this rant, and you're like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of how things are. I thought that they could have cut the movie back by a good 20 minutes. They just cut out some of that shit and just let it rest on the fact that where he was coming from, that that was sort of his weight throughout the movie. I thought that it was a little painful to have to like listen through some of the shit he was talking about. Much like podcasters listening to me feel. <laughs> well, regardless of how you're going to feel, win or lose, thumbs up or thumbs down, I think it's a conversation piece and I think it's a conversation worth having. Well, we agree wrong. on that? I'm no, still wrong. No, I don't agree to that. <laughs> I'm still wrong. Do we agree to disagree? <laughs> I never agreed to that. <laughs> let's go, let's go. It's been like this the whole time. Deacon on dishes and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. Yeah, You're missing no, I know. The point. Not a I know. flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. Viago was an 18th century dandy. Look, a ghost cop. Vladislav is a bit of a pervert. This is my torture chamber. Deacon's like the young bad boy of the group. I'm supposed to pay rent, but I don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally butcher this, but Taika Watiti. <laughs> uh, he is the co-writer, co-director, and co-star of What We Do in the Shadows. Hells yeah. Um, the sort of big name star, at least for me, is of course Jermaine Clement. Who? <laughs> Um, from, from Flight of the Concords. Oh, yes, my future husband. What we have here is our second Kiwi comedy, and uh, it is a faux documentary. It's sort of Spinal Tap style. Mockumentary. Yeah. Come on, say it. Spinal Tap style. There are a bunch of cameras following around a group of Kiwi vampires. 
just sort of seeing how they live, getting to know them better, and seeing how their day-to-day or night-to-night works. Uh, if you liked this movie, uh, good news is, is a spin-off movie's on its way. It's going to focus on the... Vi- Deep breaths. It's going to focus on the werewolves, apparently. Nice! So there'll be more Murray. Werewolves! Not swearwolves. Not swearwolves. Let's be real. <laughs> so, yes, uh, this has a lot of what we've come to see familiar in these faux documentaries. There's a Mockumentaries. Lot of mockumentaries, as you would like. Uh, where the humor is very sort of snide and slight. Dry. Uh, and, and, and just terribly, terribly dry. Uh, it's a specific taste. And if it's not to your taste... I suppose you, you could, can suck it. I suppose you could spend this eighty-six minutes just sort of staring at the screen, confused. But if it is to your taste, blinking dryly. <laughs> if it is to your taste, I think that you'd have to be a pretty cynical fucker to not have a good time watching what we do. I in think the show. if you're a cynical fucker, you would enjoy this movie. So I've <laughs> got to be on the opposite side of you here, Larry. You're just being contrary tonight. That's I would what... never do that. <laughs> no, you're being contrary. What I'm trying to say in a very roundabout way is that I'm a big fan of what we do in the shadows. Um, I don't think it necessarily accomplishes much new. It just, what it does is... It's a different angle, though. It's funny when it needs to be funny, and it pokes fun at the sort of vampire tropes, especially the ones that really bother me, the sort of Anne Rice-isms of it. Yeah. Where, you know, they're they're in eternal torment, and everything is such an imposition because they live forever, and they're miserable. It draws in the Nosferatu. It draws in, like, the different types of vampires as well, which I really like, which we haven't seen in a lot of movies. Yeah. Where... Other than like, you know, vampire, the masquerade shit where they're like, we have so many vampires. And yeah. I say this as someone that used to play it. Um, but it was it was very nice to like finally have a movie where it's like we have the Nosferatu, we have the Anne Rice, we have the, you know, Vlad Baylor sort of thing. I don't know where that accent came from. <laughs> but it was like, it was nice to see them mashed together in like a reality <laughs> show. But it's, they don't shy away from the fact that they're monsters either. Like, <laughs> they humanize these monsters and we kind of charmed and liked them. But at the same time, there's a scene where... They're monsters. The they bleed the fuck out of character. Yeah, pokes a hole in this chick's neck and a fucking spouter of blood spatters out. Oh my God. And he just makes a mess of himself. And it's But horrifying. he's so polite about it. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of embarrassed. He listens to her wishes and dreams. Hmm. <laughs> 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 and we laugh about it because yeah. it's hilarious. Oh, it reminds me of that time I killed that bloke. Yeah. Uh, but again, I do think that it's hilarious to a certain section of people. There are there are some people who, you know... Sitting in this room. Would find this sort of type of humor, not necessarily over their head, it's just more uncomfortable than funny, I guess. They're not I'm my not, people. Larry. I'm not of that ill. They're not my people. I think if you are one of those people, you probably know it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's lots of great lessons to be learned here. Like for instance, if you're gonna room with a vampire, mm. a really bad thing to do is to lead a vampire hunter back to the house to have him kill one of the people. Again, agree to disagree. <laughs> that was, but it was done so hilariously. The fact that you have this like out there, he's new. He. He doesn't have the experience, the decades or hundreds of years of experience that the rest of them do, and he thinks it's a joke, right? I mean, like, I get you into the bars, I do whatever, I'm pretty cock of the walk. Yeah. We're sort of seeing, sorry, just to catch people up, there's this guy is sort of new to the vampire lifestyle and is not good at it at all yet. 
He's Isn't being broken he? into. He's kind of better than them half the time. <laughs> but again, no, I just, what I like about it was it sets up these, again, possibly tropes, but I mean, like, they're very stereotypical, and yet they're so personable. Like, they're just, this is them trying to fight their way through modern life, right? Which is absolutely addressed later in the movie where they're just sort of like, technology, what the what? Yeah. And stuff, but I mean... What I love about it is that, like, you you see all those different types of, like, main characters not meshing. Not meshing, but what else do they have? And you're like, you're mystical creatures, and you're like, we have a party to go to. Oh, we're so excited, this party we look forward to. Because that's kind of all they have to look forward to at some point. So they're almost sad at that point. Like, they're drawn out as sad characters. And that's the sort of Anne Rice thing that I was talking about that I, I, I am less interested in. I prefer my vampires to be more monstrous, more I want to eat you, than I want to date your, your teenage daughter. And then the Anne Rice, it was a blue, but blue-gray, but blue-gray-green. Stop talking about the fucking upholstery who walked in with a severed head. Oh, they lost me when Lestat joined a rock band, frankly. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I haven't read all of the books, so I shouldn't speak like I could. As a speed reader, yeah. don't read them. Yeah. Like, they're, they're terrible. I, I they read, were long and drawn out for me. I read Interview and about two-thirds of Lestat, and then I was done. Queen of the Damned, all of them. Uh, you know, the movies touched on some of the good points, but were also horrible. <laughs> but this movie, as you know, it's sold as a vampire movie. So you can it, be like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to watch it and stuff. But it, it actually it brings in all of those points of all the different vampire movies that you could have watched, right? I mean, regardless of what type of vamp- vampire movie you like, it that. had a bit of that. Yeah. It had a bit of that. So I think that it was, even though like, it's such like this weird niche of a movie, it's accessible to a lot more people. Because you're going to see something about vampires you like. And it's a and tricky werewolves. thing. It's a tricky thing to pay homage and make fun of something while still being respectful and, and embracing and it. building on it and building yeah. on it because what would it be like for a modern for many modern day vampires to survive nowadays right yeah. especially in wellington if this was like not made by you know the same creative team that did the you know batshit crazy eagle versus shark uh i can see this being like a scary movie type of thing where they're just recreating for comic effect Scenes from other various vampire movies for wackiness, right? You can watch Bella Lugosi shit for that, yeah. which I love Bella Lugosi, but I'm sorry, there, there are tropes, there are standard things for reasons. I just had a nice in, take on it. Yeah, I'm not interested in Scary Movie 7, I'm not interested in Vampires Suck. This is a vampire satire that is that rare thing that's very funny and smart. Well, it's because they actually show vampires and their flaws. Mm-hmm. And other movies don't. They show their strengths. They show why they're so cool and why we want to be them. Like, you know, the undead. Why not? Let's try that out. It'd be awesome. Live forever. And then it shows we're living forever. Yeah. Well, a lot of times lately, either they're just monsters that want to eat you or they're these romantic figures and they're these tortured souls that want to date your teenage daughter. Like, Isn't that what true blood is yeah. about or something? <clears throat> exactly. Oh, no, the romantic watch. vampire or the monstrous vampire. If that's the choices we have, again, I'll pick the monstrous every time. But mm-hmm. it's nice that both ends of the spectrum are represented here. And you know what? You, you do. You touch on the Anne Rice, and I think a lot of that had to go with the character that was like, he just had this longing love for this woman, and that humanized him. Yeah. And you know, and it was this other guy, and he talks about the beast, and oh, she, <laughs> it was the worst, and they're all like, oh, the beast, and then in the end you find like, it's an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. You know, like, how, how human is that? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And then, like, this Nick guy comes in, he's cock of the walk and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, Nick, we can't do it. But his friend. We're big fans Stu. of Stu. Stu is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, quite honestly, we've still kind of, as humans, dealt with that. Like, oh, there's this person. But, you know, like they brought in a really good person to our crew. <laughs> so we have to put up with this asshole just so we can, like, still hang out with this other guy. <laughs> you know, like, Again, it was done nicely. I love the polite rudeness throughout these movies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it touches on the British and Canadian politeness. So sorry you're sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I... I am as disappointed as you are with your behavior right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta say, again, this is another one I had a couple of notes on, and it was are horrible, by the way. But just um, when Nick has to confess to Stu that he's a vampire, <laughs> came out like he was coming out, yeah. you know, like just I said, he he's my mate. I don't want to eat him. Yeah. <laughs> that was a horrible accent, by the way. But just that whole thing, like I just um. It was really cute, and, and and this movie also, even though it's supposed to be, like, what you said, a little bit of monstrous and stuff, it, it touches on the sentimental. It's almost housebound in that way, where it was like, aww. You kind of like these guys. <laughs> you know, like, good for them. Like, they have to eat people to survive. Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of cool to be neighbors with them in a way. Like, you doubt that they would actually eat their neighbor because that would look bad and everything like that. But it's still eventually... <laughs> You'd be you'd be wary of them, and you'd eventually want that conversation where they said, "Yeah, no, no, don't worry about it. We're not gonna eat." <laughs> but but, <laughs> but when they said that, you'd believe them and yeah. Be cool. <laughs> well, because even with the documentary crew, where they're like, "We gave them crucifixes." Yeah. We agree we wouldn't eat them, and they go the 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 ball or whatever, and they're like, "But we want." Okay, like maybe eat one of them. Like, you know, like one of the documentary. Like maybe we'll give you one of them. And I was just sort of like, wow, they're like bargaining somehow. Yeah, give them the intern. Yeah, just, yeah, because, yeah, you know, we have to sacrifice something. Like, you know, it's... It's another person to pay another mouth to feed. <laughs> Essentially. But no, I thought that was... And the vampire ball or zombie ball. It was, it was a few things there. And what I really liked about that was, I mean, it was this joyous, fun event. And all of a sudden, like, outside. Yeah. <laughs> it was poor Stu <laughs> who again future husband but it was so delightful because you got to see this cross section and and that's another thing that a lot of these movies don't do other than like you know you go to the Twihards and stuff and you got the vampires versus the weirdos it's the worst thing ever so but in this one like the resolution at the end of the fact that they had this cross pollination of Stu becoming a werewolf spoiler um <laughs> Which was so adorable because, like, we had to sort of resolve it because we all love Stu so much. You know, we will make this work. Stu. The audience is even on board with Stu. I know. Oh, I'm so on board with Stu. But it was just like, it it came to that point where it was just sort of like, well, well, how do we make this work? We're all basically immortal. I find the charm of the movie is pretty infectious for me. <laughs> like, uh, I don't have a lot of bad things to say. I, I would argue it, it falls short of amazing to me, but it's a really good time. You can sit there in your wrongness and be wrong. That's fine. Uh, okay. But my whole thing was I was recommending this movie to people before I saw it. <laughs> and then when I actually watched it with a friend, um, even the opening credits where it was like New Zealand documentary, like that little symbol came on. I was like, ah! already the funniest fucking movie i've seen like it just it had everything set up so nicely that it never strayed from the fact that it was looking like a documentary 
It never strayed from the fact that it was unveiling their lives. And it never strayed from the fact that there was strife to be had there, right? I mean, like, and then it just, it had a natural play out feel to it. And it resolved it in a beautiful way that you actually, I kind of expected, but not in a way that I felt cheated right. by the end of the movie. And I do a lot when I watch, like, because I've watched a lot of movies. It's one of the reasons we're friends. Um, <laughs> Where you do, you get to a point where you figure you can guess how a movie is going. And this one, I couldn't quite guess. I had some expectation. I had some suspicions. But it did it better than anything I could have thought of. And that's actually one of the reasons why I still shove this movie down a lot of people's throats. It kind of looks like you. Ooh, got the stub of it, the brewery. Do some investigating. Do you think I'm myself when I'm a wolf? You did seem like freakishly strong when you had those claws and those teeth. Plus, you know, you were drunk, so I knew it was you. Hello? Hello? My, what big teeth you have. That's not all. Not to derail this whole thing, but a a few moments, maybe a moment of silence for the sad state of Saskatchewan film. Hang your heads. Alas. uh, The happy news here is that the movie we're about to talk about, Wolf Cop, was popular enough that a sequel has been made and just finished wrapping in Regina. Uh, This entire movie was conceived and written and made in Regina, Saskatchewan. And, City uh, that sounds like fun. Yes. Someone had to say it. Got, it got referenced in Deadpool as such, actually. Um, this movie sort of like Zombievers, it announces itself with its title. Wolf Absolutely. Cop. Werewolf Cop. We kind of know the movie as we see we it. We wrote uh, it on an index card and flung it at producers. <laughs> I'm, I have some affection for it because I know people directly who were involved. That's okay. In You're a big man. It. Big so man. I'm gonna, you know, admit my my bias. I met them at Calgary Comic Con actually, uh-huh. and they were like, "If you give us five dollars, we will give you co-producer status or some <laughs> shit." They were trying to say it. I was just sort of like, "Can I pet your mane?" And I got to pet him, and then I went, "See you later." Like I gave him no money. <laughs> Other than now wanting to throw dollar bills, yell Pac-Man Joe style at their face. When I say that it's similar to Zombievers, my approach to this review in a lot of ways is similar to Zombievers beyond my personal affection to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a movie that knows exactly what it is. It's going to deliver you some juicy prosthetic werewolf effects. It's going to order you some crass humor. It's going to order deliver you some sex. One it's of, not going to look at a lot of facts. Yeah, one of the more hilarious sex scenes that I can remember seeing in recent films, actually. and uh, The wolf sex? Yeah. Seriously? The wolf god sex? Okay. So it's, it's goofy and silly and even stupid, but it knows that it's goofy and silly and even stupid. Really? You think that the sex scene with a wolf cop wasn't done seriously no, enough. No, but I'm saying it to its credit. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you know, it embraces what it is. In a jail cell, by the way. Yes. Okay. Um, and they're they're doing it to a, a, a Lawrence Gowan song, I believe. And not even like the best one. But like that should have been. been su- it should have been Strange Animal. Am Thank I wrong? you. Thank you. And what was it? Was it Criminal Mind? What, what, I can't remember. It was something. Just, it was I just I blocked song. it out of my head because it wasn't the one I wanted. 
So while this entire sex scene's going on, I'm like, mm, could have been better. <laughs> Miss, that was like the only part. Missed opportunity, says every Canadian pop fan ever. Well, not only that, but like, yeah, you, you couldn't have thrown another thirty dollars this way to get There's the rights. There's a whole to bunch that. of people listening to this going, Lawrence Gallon, what the fuck are you guys talking mm. about? So fair enough. Plot of the movie is. Small town police officer finds out that not only is he a Small werewolf, town alcoholic police officer. Yeah, finds out that not only is he a werewolf, but that a lot of members in his community may have ties to the supernatural and cult behaviors. Say and what? hilarity and a lot of bone zoning ensues. <laughs> um, Some amazing carnage, by the way. <laughs> the violence is Again, no not many nonsense. of the films that you gave me, films... <laughs> Um, did I rewind shit on? But I was watching this with a friend to the point where probably six times we had to rewind on the fight scene in the meth lab. (laughs) Because a guy gets his fucking face ripped off. Yes, he does. And onto a windshield and the guy like hits the thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, how does this get better? And then the screaming body with no face and nothing but a skull is like, Wah! and I'm like, that's how it gets better. Ah! And I maybe came a little because it was amazing. Oh my God. Never in a movie have I ever seen that. And I watched Conan. Like I read Conan comics yeah. growing up. No, it is batshit insane, and it delivers on Good its promise. stuff. Absolutely. Crashing through doors. The, the ripping of doors off. Yeah. The wolf cop car. Like, the... Ju- <laughs> and now there's a W. Of course there is, because they have to drive that through the fucking scenery. The movie looks good, and the production is sharp where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I, you can still tell it's a low-budget movie, but... You can spent, tell it's rough in parts, but quite honestly... They spent the money where they needed to spend the money. You know what? Um, quite honestly, if you're just following a drunk cop around some sort of small-ass town, some of that cinematography is entirely explained by that. But by the way, he owns his own house. Yeah. I think that's impressive. <laughs> the movie starts out, he's by some drunk whore, he wakes up, he throws on his outfit, he leaves his actual house. You're an alcoholic. How do you afford a house? Like, this is where my incredulity of the entire movie happens. Was yeah, like, Wolf Cop's fake, you guys. Huh, you know, because really? Was it his mom's house? Did you hear it? Like, you know, like, I have the weirdest sort of perspective on this shit. But I was like, no, nah, small town, he probably can. He's got a cop salary and stuff like that. Not the fact that the movie's called Wolf Cop. Because yeah. the rest of it was just tight to me. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Well, and again, just like Zombievers, it's like 80 minutes long. It does not overstay its welcome. It knows, you know, Very true. this is not an epic. This is not, you know, something deep. This is not something profound. This is Wolf Cop. You know what? They do the whole, we're literally shrouded figures in a forest. You know, like, and that's such a delicious sort of scene to see in any movie where they're just sort of like, we're explaining it because dark figures in a forest oh oh well of course that's what created all of this it's satan we haven't talked enough about urinating in this podcast yet okay but right. you know again Bring it. I, just I, whip going it back out. to the weird thing just whip the, it out just hit me with it <laughs> scene this is gonna be golden you're gonna like oh this. <laughs> uh, shower me with it <laughs> there's a scene where uh he changes into a werewolf and he's in front of a urinal Yes. And the first thing that we see is that he gets a huge werewolf penis. And it's just a bizarre choice. You, you thought it was huge? <laughs> Zing. <laughs> uh, it's a bizarre choice. Like, you wouldn't think that they would go that graphic and, and You didn't want to see that happen? 
I don't know if I wanted to see it happen. As but... a woman. <laughs> yes. You did want to see a wolf I penis? I did. Apparently you would want no no business with an actual wolf penis. Well, you know, he was a grower. <laughs> Not a Not shower. A shower. <laughs> Understood. Uh, but, whoa. That, that was one of those scenes in the movie that was like, whoa, daddy. And I guess I will say that... Well, I, I don't understand who your daddy is and what issues you have with him, but... No, I thought it was... But honestly, if you want to have a transition, and the fact that you can see all these other wolf movies and shit like that, you've never seen that. You've never seen You know seen what? It. You've never seen that. I will give it points for that. I don't know if I like it or not, but I've never seen <laughs> it before. You don't know if you like it or not. Maybe I liked it and was uncomfortable by liking it. Well, there it you go. I, I'm glad you accepted that as uh, your lord and savior. But uh, you know what? The whole thing about that, too, is the fact that it didn't shy away from gore in the way that you would think like a lower budget movie would, right? Yeah. And it still entirely rode the line of inappropriate. Yeah. Even though much. it went super graphic and shit like that, I mean, they just, they entirely negated things like police process, which the I'm sorry, I have a bit of familiar with. violence, really. I had some experience with this stuff, and I was just sort of like, none of this is legal no. <laughs> you know like really you have this drunk ass bitch and then you have like the police procedure which is out the window so i knew that that was just going to be ridiculous you have this sexy ass bar check that just like is all over this drunk ass cop which you know maybe i would be too i used to bartend well no i mean it's it's explained in the plot and i guess i was surprised the amount of people in his immediate circle that were involved with the evil uh for a movie that dumb i guess i i, I didn't anticipate where it was going. Keep in mind, though, that with that whole thing was that they were sussing him out to begin with, right? right. Like, he was multi-generational sacrifice right. and stuff. They were just waiting. Um, he was obviously a very good sort of duck to shoot. <laughs> um, Easy to let go of this drunken idiot. Uh, I want to shine some light, and again, personal bias, because I know her, but I do think she is easily the brightest light in this movie. And if you're watching the movie and say... Ah, uh, wow, she should get more work. I thought Amy Matizio was awesome in it. And I think that it's a surprisingly tricky thing to pull off, the role that she's playing. Even though a lot of what she's asked to do is ridiculous, <laughs> in the world that she's acting in, she's comparably the straight man. And I think she did a really good job. I've always thought she does a really good job. She's a very capable actress. She's very attractive. and But she... her character did things logically. Well, for the most part. She was a hair crazy as well. But she also gave me a ride home from work a couple of times just because I was a friend of a friend. That's okay, you to. touched your boob. That's and right. I, I know that she's a nice person on top of all these other things. And I Describe know her character for the for the listeners. <laughs> the character that she plays in the, in the, in the movie? Yeah. Her, her character is a person. Uh, she's sort of the uh, cop who knows what she's doing. She's the mm -hmm. not drunk cop. Mm -hmm. And she's one of the few officials in the town who doesn't seem to be tangled up in this evil supernatural cult. <laughs> But she was smart and she was logical about the things that she did. But not only that, it, it comes down to the whole, a lot of the movies that we watched for this podcast were, people were so disbelieving off the get-go. Yeah. And she just sort of went, huh, all right, show me. You know, like, and that was refreshing. I will go a step further and make the argument that she is more the hero of this story than Wolf Cop. Well, okay, if you say wolf cop and you think it's all about him and protagonist sort of like, you know, spinning of the whole, he had the shit happen to him, he was supposed to be whatever, and so, but like, I'm sorry, it comes down to the point where you wonder, what's a sidekick? 
can a hero or a protagonist or whatever be that without their sidekick? And without her support, the movie wouldn't work. Oh, yes. She is this movie's Sam Gamgee. That's not where I was going. I was going Robin, but you know, you can also... That's fun. We're different. (laughs) But it was just... It's seriously like... Because any report he would try and file... But by the way, the whole scene... Where a wolf cop is called to a scene. He's like, I'm a cop. You're a wolf. I'm a cop. Like that whole yeah. scene. And then he goes to like that, the pigs or whatever that are robbing like the convenience store. And then the guy is like, liquor donuts. <laughs> By the way, liquor great donuts. name. Gotta open that store. <laughs> and he shows up. He's like, I'm a cop. And he just sort of goes in and like kills some people. <laughs> And takes, like, some booze and, like, a donut. And he just sort of, like, leaves and stuff. And as she was there, she'd be like, I have to do all of his paperwork. (laughs) To me, that was, like, the best part. It's charming. I feel like we we, we are in danger of overselling it a little bit. And, again, I'm affectionate towards it because I know a lot of the people involved. It's completely fine. And That's right. You're a giant horror for Wolf Cop. That's right. It's completely fine. It is what it is. It, you know, it, it, it deserves to have its fun sequel, and I hope they make it. I'll put it this way. Out of all the movies that we watch, it doesn't matter how much, like, money was thrown towards it. It was actually really smart and really different. Yeah. And, and I think you can I would have still it? liked it if it wasn't shot in my, around my hometown. You know, like, uh, it, it was locally made, so I like it more. But I would have mm-hmm. liked it anyway. It was a really good mix of movies that you brought in that were, like, you know, small town made and stuff and, like, bigger, like, more money thrown towards it because we had some extra cash. There's a balance there. And stuff like that. But, like, they fought to make this movie work. Yeah. Like, they fundraised the shit out of it. And possibly the other movies. I don't have the personal experience. But I was living around a lot of, like, the whole fundraising. Went to Calgary Comic Con. There they were. Five dollars, bitch laugh wolf cop or whatever. And we are living in it in, in a toxic environment creatively, especially for film in Saskatchewan. Our oh, government yeah. is actively dead set against Was. artistic people in, in Saskatchewan. Hopefully that's better. about to change. Getting a little better, I hope. Hopefully that's about to change. Election day. Uh, rumor has it that Kevin Smith will be shooting his next movie in Saskatchewan, which is exciting. He's also a giant whore. Uh, but uh uh, this the fact that Wolf Cop exists in spite of all these obstacles makes me love it. And is the it sequel. an amazing movie? I can't honestly say that it is. But I'll it's put fun. it this way: I I watched it with a friend that really loves um, manga right. and all that other stuff, anime, whatever. And so his stuff, he's like samurais, this, that, the other thing. And so I made him watch this movie because I was like, I have a deadline. <laughs> I gotta watch this. Me and Larry gotta shoot some shit. And then. He was he was stuck to the screen. Yeah. And I was sort of like, you know, I had keys jingling over in another area of the room. And <laughs> you had he your boobs out. Nothing. He didn't pay attention. <laughs> and I was just like spreading it on the bed. And he would just start like, violence and amazingness. And I'm like, really? The script writing? And he was just sort of like, no, it was it was a good movie. It was a tight movie. Tighter it's than pussy. Fun. It's fun. And it was just, it was hilarious because it was, it was a jaunt, yeah. you know? Like, and it just, it. Like you say, it was a very short movie, and it felt like a half hour. Yeah. It felt like a sitcom slash horror movie, and it made me feel like it should be a show or something, but it was just so tight in how it did it. Like I, That's why I think they need a sequel, yeah. is because it just, um, it spelled it all for us, but I still want to know what he's doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the Hulk. Where is he going next? <laughs> Uh, I, I keep on going back to it. It's fun. And sometimes fun's enough.
Yo, Craig, Doug wants to see you. I don't have a job since like an hour ago. We got an eviction notice this morning. If I don't pay in a few days, we're gonna be on the street. I once broke a guy's arm for $80. While his daughter watched. Do you think you're capable of doing something like that? I'm calling this to my wife, Violet. It's Violet's birthday today, so we thought we'd go out on the town, you know, uh, get a little crazy. Violet and I came up with this idea for an awesome night. What do we have to do? $250,000. This money's for us. You gotta win it. Okay. $500 to whoever can hold their breath the longest. One, go! $800 whoever can shit inside their house. $200 if someone touches that stripper's ass with a slap. You will never forget this night. 500 bucks if you hit him first. Oh! I just want to go home. You're a real piece of shit, you know it. All right, so we're going to talk... What's up, motherfucker? Sorry. <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, at long last, a film called Cheap Thrills. This is directed by E.L. Katz. Um, it stars Pat Healy, Ethan Embry, Sarah Paxton, and interesting... Lee David Koechner, who's mm. usually known for comedic roles. Anchorman. A lot of people will know him from Anchorman or from Office Space. So we're introduced to Pat Healy, who is the sad sack character, desperate for money, about to be evicted, a new dad, just at the end of his tether, and we're feeling for him. He's about to go home and uh, face the music that he is, you know, totally been fired and evicted. doesn't know how they're going to handle with this eviction. And he bumps into two people, unfortunately, on this night. The first character, this old friend of his, Ethan Embry, who they obviously split in a fork in a road and, and split in different directions. Uh, and then this David Koechner and his wife, Sarah Paxton, who are these repulsively rich people who are amusing themselves, hanging amongst the little people. And they set upon this, this sort of Jeez. game. It starts, I won't even say innocently, but like, uh, go do something inappropriate to the lady at the end of the bar, or, you know... Smack an ass. Yeah. And I will give you money. Money that you desperately need. And I will do this for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, strange. It's like looking into a mirror. <laughs> it's really me at a bar. <laughs> it's the desperation being exploited really makes the, the Keckner and the Sarah Paxton characters just so vile. But to a point, I'm on Pat Healy's side until I'm not. And I think that's what makes the movie interesting to me, is that Pat Healy solves all of his problems that he's presented with at the beginning of the movie, and that by the end of the movie, he can pay his rent, and he can keep himself afloat before mm. he can, until he can get his next job. But in exchange for that, he went from being a person who I felt sympathy for, if not liked, to somebody who I despised. You know what? I like the actor. I didn't like his character. Yeah. Square one. I sympathize with the Ethan Embry character. Right. Because he was always honest. He lived his life. He did his shit. And they actually partway through the movie even acknowledge it while yelling at each other and fucking degrading each other. Where that's where the twist for me was. Is that yes, you were supposed to care about this main character, Craig Daniels and shit like that. He's down on his luck. He ran to this, like, sketchy friend of his. The point where he was soliciting from him, how bad does your job get? How much do you have to do for money, right? So that premise just gets set. And, yes, you have this couple, and they're getting their shits and giggles. 
out of the fact that they're making these guys dance for money. It's the shooting at their feet. Yeah. Right? I never really sympathized with what's supposed to be the protagonist. Because I was just sort of like, he was a little too high up on himself. And they, they address that later on. Where Ethan Embry's character basically goes... You had it all. You had the loving parents. You had the education. You went off to college. It got paid for. You can't keep a job as a fucking guy draining oil. And then Pat Healy's character turns around and is like, you dropped out of high school. You're the one that set yourself on this shit life. But look who fought harder. The first person to be like, this is not fair. I will do anything I possibly can wasn't the guy with the wife and child. It was the guy that had nothing. Mm-hmm. He well, punched him right off the bat on the holding your breath competition just to get some money. Yeah. And to me, that made him, to me, the sympathetic character. So I'm sorry, agree to disagree. And then when the other guy comes in and starts like taking money away from him, the bet $25,000 to cut your pinky off. You have this guy come in just usurp you, like just keep undercutting you. Again, trying to phrase undercutting. But it was just like, yeah, that's going to get me mad if I was in that position. Well, I would argue, Dorian, that that's kind of the point the movie was leading up to. We are set up to believe that Pat Healy's motives make his actions altruistic. But in the end, Ethan Embry is the much more noble of the two characters. He absolutely is. In spite of the fact that he... It's foreshadowed. He wants to rob the David Keckner character. Mm-hmm. And I'm sympathetic to that because of what a transparent fucking asshole that guy is. He was honest to the core, but it's because he had nothing to lose to begin with. But And yes, that's what's supposed to make Pat Healy's character. Thank God we didn't learn their actual character names. But like it, it seriously for me, the fact that like, oh I have a wife and child but then he shits on Ethan Embry's character to the point where he's like, you created the life that you're in right now. That's why you deserve to suffer. Yeah. But by yelling at Ethan Embry, he's basically yelling at himself. He kind of bumped into this guy at the wrong time. Embry's judgment to him feels like he's being kicked while he's down. But the truth is, you're absolutely right. He is just as flawed or more flawed than the Ethan Embry absolutely. character. Uh, and I think that the movie acknowledges that. Uh, but... Uh, the thing is, is that I, I was sympathetic for him because having, a, you know, being a, a, a dad and having two kids and there having financial wor- worries, there we are. I know that kind of stress and the mm-hmm. kind of stress that that would bring. And that if there was some kind of shortcut solution put in front of me, I would be very tempted to take it, I think. Can I just you know? say as somebody with no husband or wife and no children, to have someone lord that over me is like, that's why they're better. But also, like... Someone that had more options than I did? That's not what I'm doing at all, sweetheart. What I'm saying no, is... No, no. By the way, thank you for calling me sweetheart. <laughs> but the whole thing is, like, I think that that's what made these characters so accessible, is the fact that you could be in either position, quite honestly, out of chance. But, I also could be having kids and stuff like that and, like, do anything for them. But also, if you're a scrapper, if your life is so shit that you have nothing beyond this and this guy jumps out of nowhere and all of a sudden is taking that from you... Of course, I see absolutely the point that he would try and do anything. But then, like, what you said, he almost made himself, like, uh, the hero of certain... Well, you may not have said hero. But by the end of it, he was the one that was like, can we stop this? You know, the guy, Pat Healy's character, left. 
He, he could have been done away. with it. He could have walked he away. He absolutely could have fucked off because he did. Yeah. And then he came back, he overheard everything, and then he just sort of went, I'm in again. Well, I mean, it's unfortunate to me that that wrecks the movie for you because I think that's what makes the movie strong. I think that I think it makes it strong from the other perspective. I still think it's a strong movie, but I thought it was weak that the character that we had to care for was only because of the wife and children. Uh, I think the one character that we get short shrift on in this is Sarah Paxton. And the first time I actually gave a shit about her is when she talks about seeing that guy die, and it was almost parallel to the story that he was telling about, like, breaking his foot as a skateboarder, right? And she talks about, like, I had a crush on the skateboarder, and he got fucking crushed. Mm -hmm. He sounded like wood, because he broke, and it sounded like branches breaking. Mm -hmm. And she said it not only, I wouldn't say dry, but entranced, you know? And it sort of, like, to me, that's sort of where the movie took off. Because it made sense why the rest of the movie happened. He's doing it to make her feel better. Or to make her get what she wanted, right? Because that is when her bloodlust was created. And what I like about that is that she was the character driving the movie. It may have been these two guys bullshit. It may have been this guy with money. But it was the fact that it was her birthday. They used that as an excuse to the entire movie. Yeah. And she knows, and I think this is why she's playing her cards close to her vest, she knows where this is going. She knows that they're going to corrupt this guy utterly, and that one is going to kill the other. She bet, she bet on she him. she knows who's going to do, be the one that's she actually going to do it. She was the one that could see. So, uh, in a way, the, that's what makes her interesting when you watch the movie the second time. This reminds me of Wes Anderson films, right? And the fact that you have these characters that seem very blasé, very bored, whatever. It reminds me a bit of Gwyneth Paltrow in The Royal Tenenbaums. And not just, like, the fact that, like, visually they're almost identical, right? But in the fact that, like, they're almost passive in what's happening, but they're the most interesting character. Yeah. Because they're doing shit off to the side that you can't even see. They won't even tell people. She told the one guy, you got a little bit of insight on, like, some death that she saw. And she was sort of like, it was interesting to me. That was her first taste of bloodlust. And then it became a game to her. You know, like, that that was the interest to me. It was all of a sudden, like, wow, she's driving I, this. It wouldn't have you, happened without her. I agree her. 100%. The whole thing with David Koechner, he's bankrolling it, and this is his trophy wife. But uh, he is very excited, too, when she wants to have sex with the Pat Healy character. Oh, yeah, he jerks off. Which is, again, part of the uh, destruction of him. Not only does he have to cheat on his wife and kill his best friend, which is symbolically killing the only good part left of himself, right? You don't Uh, see it as a good part because you think that that's the worst guy ever until he redeems himself in the last moment. Well, he, Ethan Embry's character, will not kill his best friend. He's not going to, he won't, he won't. And not even best friend and a guy that he hasn't seen in five years that he states. Yeah, but I just, sorry, sorry, I was just trying to get to the end of the, like, uh, this is all Sarah Paxton. He's the puppet. The reason he's watching her have sex and masturbating is because I get the feeling that that's how she can really get off. It's the fact that she's having sex with this guy and making him cheat on his wife that is so hot to her that makes it, like, fulfilling. He even says she's into married men. Yeah. She is the sort of prime mover of the bad that happens in the movie. And the fact that she destroys this guy utterly. And calmly. Sends him home with all the money he needs to solve his problems, but as a destroyed person. And that doing that is so satisfying to her. It wasn't even that satisfying. She got $100 out of the bet at the end of it. 
when he just gives her a hundred bucks. You're but right. she enjoyed that sexual encounter and she enjoyed the manipulation and this was her birthday and it was exactly what she wanted. Which makes me know. wonder how many of her birthdays go down this way. Except I think for the, the fact that these deep, like the just the amount that we've talked about, the depth to each character, the conflict within each character. I mean I really enjoyed that we took different sides on this, on the fact that you really cared about the guy with the wife and the kids. Because you for are at the beginning of the, the guy movie. with the wife and kids, right? I guess. And there's me on the other side where it's sort of like, this guy got shit on, but he's always tried to do the right thing. He just got stuck in shitty things because, yes, of his decisions. But one of the best parts of the movie for me was just the fact that, like, when Ethan is basically saying, I took care of this guy from day one. He always came to me. I was always the solver of his problems. And it fucking happened again. His death solved his friend's problem. And that's something I don't think a lot of people watching the movie would get. It was that level of resolution where, like, he helped his friend out again, even without meaning to. Well, and that's what I said. When he kills his friend, he kills whatever was left in himself that was good. Anything that would have made him worthy of at least sympathizing with, because uh, I I think that that's something you can sympathize with. Mm -hmm. People get fired. People are stressed out. People have kids that they need to feed. I think that that's worthy of sympathy. Whether or not you like the way he treats his friend, uh, he was hitting bottom. He was there drinking miserably at that bar because he had to go home and tell his wife that he didn't know where rent was coming from. Yeah. You know? So he was all, he was at his bottom. So yeah, I need to feel sorry for somebody in that position. And by the end of the movie, I was at the end of the spectrum. Uh, if he was run over by a car on his way home, I would have been indifferent to it at that point. Mm. And that's the journey that we go on with this character. And it's maybe not a very inspiring one. But I didn't go on the same deep. journey, which is quite interesting. That this is the movie it's weird that, that you could just never sympathize with him. Hey, I, I I did a bit because like he was he was totally structured as a protagonist, and like quite honestly, out of the movies, all the movies that we've watched. This one touched me the least because I was just, it felt really heavy handed. Just too negative. There is a reason that this guy has to be the winner. And I just sort of went, no, like I quite honestly, it's this other guy who has always stood up for his friends. He sees him at a bar. You're at a tough time. Here's the only money I have. It's yours. And then it comes down to like this person has so much money. Well, I want this because you're probably going to earn your own. Yeah. You know, like, and maybe it doesn't come off that way, the fact that, like, he actually, he does got punched the other guy just to win some money and stuff. But how much money do these people have? And he finds out later in the safe, like, there's a shit ton of money. Yeah. Let's take it. Let's split it. It was no longer a game between them. It's what can we share? But it was a destruction of them. Like, we, we've downplayed. Like, we have to cut, the dude had to cut off his finger. They had to eat a dog. The dog is already dead. Yeah. Competitively, they had to eat a dog. And they right? tied. Uh, and they both still wanted to eat the fucking finger. You know, like, it just, it came down to the point of where, how much are you willing to do? And these people, it was chump change to them, yeah. right? So it's really funny that, like, not funny, it's horrible on the fact that, like, these guys pitted against each other when it was these two other people working them, like, Mary fucking nets. Well, that's where I will hit with you. Like, I, I, I like the movie, obviously, way more than you do. But what I will say in this collection of movies, which is called horror comedy, Cheap Thrills is low on the comedy. <laughs> it absolutely is. 
Um, I it felt force-fed like a finger down my throat. Well, it, or, or like some people would say, it's just so dark that it's funny. I would just say it's really it's fucking dark. It's dark. My point is, I think it's an interesting movie. I think it's a lot deeper than a lot of movies that we've talked about so far. But it's of the movies that we're talking about, I will concede probably got the least laughs in it. That said, I've got the distinct feeling, girl, that it's going to rank way higher for me than it does for you. So that was six horror comedies reviewed. We got a little scrappy there towards the end, girl. I'm gonna fight you, bitch. I'm gonna fight you. You're back. going down. On I me. think I, I want to stop or start this whole ranking of these movies by saying I think all six of these movies are worth a look. I think that they're fun. They're they're good movies. Absolutely. The fact that I have to put one at the bottom, one at the top, is almost arbitrary. Yeah, no, it's like horrors at an orgy. It's really... Consider this just an across-the-board endorsement. I'm ranking them because that's what I do on the podcast. Oh, my God. But happily, Dorian has to rank them first. Hells to the fucking yeah. Okay. I say with some degree of knowledge that what it's going to be, but what was your least favorite of these six movies and why? Um, probably Larry talking. Uh-huh. That was my lowest. It's when I hit my low, yeah. I think. But I gotta say cheap thrills. Because it was cheap. So that <laughs> in the title. Absolutely. Right. I just, uh, yeah, it comes down to the point where it, it took a little too long to get where it was going, and uh, I obviously cheered for the right guy, and you were wrong, um, <laughs> but it did. It had a, it had a nice mix of characters. I really don't like that these two guys were pitted against each other when the real sort of ominous figure were the people pitting them, right? Yes. And so I just, I would have liked them to gang the fuck up boondock scene style onto yeah. these people so bottom it gets tougher with the next five god bless america that's my number five because it got preachy in so many parts that the movie could have been sped up if he didn't soliloquy so much zombivas <laughs> so good but still my number four um, because the intro, I literally watched three times before the rest of the movie. That banter, if that bullshit fucking banter that was just entirely improv was one of the best parts of the movie, yeah, you're number four. Number three for me was Housebound. Because really good, yeah, Kiwi Films. Delightful, intense, uh... Thought I knew where it was going. I really liked that uh, they rocked the supernatural vibe and then just sort of like tweaked away from it. A hell's yeah after like half hour before the end. Really good. Amazing character development. But like kind of kind of weak in how you couldn't guess from almost the first hour. Like so many things came up near the end of it that you're like, I, I could never have guessed that. But also some solid detective work on the main character, who I now have a huge lady boner for. <laughs> uh, number two has got to be Wolf Cop. Wow, that's impressive. All yeah. in second place. Way Absolutely. Go Wolf Cop. Yeah, no, it's just uh, not only the local boner that I have for it, but um, trite, delightfully trite. <laughs> 
and it delivers absolutely on what it says. If someone had me just a business card with the world like with the words Wolf Cop on it, <laughs> I'd be up and in that. I would just even not a phone number, I would follow them for blocks. Um and it was really good. Like it got a little reachy in parts about like the satanic stuff, but like how else can you explain a wolf cop, right? So, you know, good stuff and I'm really pleased there's gonna be a sequel. But what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Brilliant mockumentary. I was laughing from the very first moment I popped it in and there was like the New Zealand documentary. <laughs> like, you know, like Okay, if you're Canadian and you've ever gone to see, like, those Heritage Minutes or any Canadian documentary, like, you see that symbol sort of spin by, you're just, you're immediately, you're in. And they had that level of quality from that exact first moment. Not only that, it, like, it brought in the Nosferatu, it brought in the Anne Rice, it brought in the Vlad the Dracul, and a love story. Not only that, it was just like, what's up? Werewolves. (laughs) Werewolves. <laughs> like, because why not? And I'm going to marry Stu. That's basically the end of it. So we now right. have to track down Stu. That's a good list. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to confirm this, but I'm going to congratulate you because I think we just went zero for six. What? I think we went zero for six what? for this rank. Um, but uh, let me just put them in the order that I see them in. That's all right. <laughs> and uh, that's okay. You just sit there in your wrongness, <laughs> and you be wrong. Okay. Um, with no joy, I put Zombievers ah, in sixth place. Ah, my heart! <laughs> oh. Ah, the place my heart used to be. <laughs> ah. Um, ah. It's a fine, fun. The horror is the one that survives. Ish. It's a fine, fun, is what it is, zombie creature feature. That's right. Uh, and, and that's... Words never said before. That's yeah. That, I mean, that's the beginning, middle, and end of it for me. I mean, it's good. It's fine. It, you, I just can't get it's excited about it. fine. <laughs> uh, but this will surprise Heavy you. Heavy All the way in fifth position is where I'm putting Wolf Cop. Much for the same reason. Uh, it was a good night. It was a really great podcast, but I gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love the heart that went into this. I know that the person that made this there movie... There was also guts and a face that got ripped off. I love the heart that went into this movie, but I just... I, 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 I can't oversell it. It's good. It's solid. It's Wolf Cop. And mm-hmm. it was made in, you know, my area. And I, I, I love Miss Mamie Matizio and hope she becomes a big star because she... Fucking deserves it. This show sponsored by Amy. Yeah, Matizio. it's brought to you by the Amy Matizio fan club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, again. Hashtag Amy. I did start this whole list by saying that I liked all of these movies. So uh, it kills. That does me. not. It kills save me you to put way. this all the way in fourth position. It's a tough list. But I am going to put God Bless America all the way in fourth position. I will stand by what I said that I think that it's got. A lot of ideas to it. It's, it's a little bit confrontational, but in a way, it's like a, a better, funnier, more salient version of Natural Born Killers. <laughs> and uh, for that, I, I mean, I will give it points. Right. Uh, and just as a rule, Bobcat Goldthwait, as a writer-director, I will watch whatever he Absolutely. Thinks. Surprisingly, so, yes. Uh, Not surprisingly, because I've seen some of the stuff since, like, Police Academy. <laughs> I'm interjecting a lot. I apologize. Continue. <laughs> That's okay. Uh... 
all the way in third place. And again, shocking. I'm going to put uh, what we do in the shadows. I think it does what it does really well. I think it's very funny and I think it's very charming. The uh, rest of this is a smoke bomb in the shape of me because I've left. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm still saying nothing but positive things about it. I just... Uh, I like two movies that better than it. All the way in second position, which is controversial. This is the one that you can legit be mad at me because I think this is the <coughs> only one that we legitimately disagree on. I don't think you're giving the movie quite enough credit. Uh, the biggest problem with Cheap Thrills... I'm not even looking at you anymore. I think the biggest problem with Cheap Thrills is that it's heavier on the thrills than it is on the laughter. But I think it's a kind of deep, troubling morality play. Not and looking at you. I liked it for not that. Not looking at you. You, you I, said horror comedy. Should I bother comedy. finishing? Or, or you said we... horror comedy. And that's your number two. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to put Housebound in first place. Mm. I think people need to seek out Housebound. I don't think enough people know about Housebound. And I, I agree. I think this is one of those movies that's just way fucking better than it has any business being. At, at a guess, like I would Witty. have never predicted that Housebound would rank so high on this list Witty. of strong movies. But it's the one that caught me off guard the most. I would I, fuck everyone in that movie. I was not was. expecting to like this movie as much as I did. And more people need to see it. Agreed. So now, uh, yeah, go now, please. Can I, can I change like. this? Now that I've actually got can I change this? Where I want cheap thrills at number ten on my list at a six. <laughs> <laughs> she said, assholishly. <laughs> I just made up a new word. Is there anything that you would like to promote to the people on the internet before we basically wrap this down my tits and, hose you and how off? great my ass is? Um, <laughs> other than that. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, for now me. we're gonna end this with mad sex. So just turn <laughs> that turn that mic off. I'll, I'll keep the mic on, but but but, but that's, that's just another for us. podcast. That's, that's a different that's podcast. And so comes to an end another episode of Rank and Review. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I sure did. I sure hope you keep on listening to Rank and Review and telling those friends about it. By, by supporting this podcast, you have proven yourself to be a person of unbelievably good taste. And I think somebody who has that good a taste should share it with the world and spread the news on Rank and Review Podcast to as many people as you possibly can. As usual, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on iTunes. As usual, you can send feedback to me, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons, at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. As always, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I'll be talking to you for episode 70.